Uh, good morning, everyone. My name is Scott. I'm the lead pastor here. Uh, how many of you were at the women's brunch yesterday? There's almost 90 of you, a bunch of you here today. So awesome. Thank you. Uh, they came to hear uh, my wife, Heather, and our dear friend, Amy, talk about relationships and friendship. I know God was really stirring yesterday. And as a staff, we just want to welcome you to this series. We're, we're in a new series that we started last week on New Year's Day. We wrap it next week. We're talking about breakthrough. We're talking through the book of Ezekiel to have both a God-informed vision and an internal heart change in order to be people of blessing in the world. Just like Jeff and Jim were just talking about being blessings in, uh, at Vision House. Uh, today we're going to be centered into this idea that comes from Ezekiel that I'll be reading through our, our message time that every one of us is meant to, uh, we've been created to, inhabit the very breath of God the ruah, or in Greek, the pneuma, like God's breath in us. God wants to bring our dry bones to life, wants to bring our hearts into a beating, fleshy, vibrant experience where we're loving God and loving others. That's why we were made. So today, as we talk about breakthrough, and as we examine what Ezekiel, the book, uh, has to say about bringing you know, dry, dusty, old bones and dry hearts to life, the purpose of it is for you to experience God this morning, to have, a, to have a taste of the divine and come away from this worship experience feeling more connected to God's heart for you. When you came in, you got a bulletin, you got a note card, and you got a pen. And so if you didn't get a note card and a pen, I'm going to pray in just a moment. Feel free to sneak out. You're going to want a note card and pen because we're going to do an activity together at the end of the service. The point of this series is to move as God's people together and be participating together. So if you didn't get a note card and pen, I'm going to pray. You're going to sneak out, and we have those available in the back and we'll dive in here. So let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for your church. We thank you for this series called Breakthrough. God, we pray as your people that we would experience you right now, God. That we live in, an, in, in a time and an age where we could feel increasingly cut off from your hope and your glory and your purpose and your identity in us. But today, God, we're gathered together hungry, either online or in person, to have a fresh experience in our hearts by faith. So Jesus, would you be present and honored and moving in, in us, your people, and all God's people said, amen. Amen. Our message is entitled, New Hearts Needed. New Hearts Needed. We're going to be diving into Ezekiel, a couple places. I'll read it in just a moment. Um, new Hearts Needed. Because when our hearts stop, the game stops. We saw this this week. Uh, many of us were watching Monday night, Monday night football, when Buffalo Bills safety DeMar Hamlin fell to the ground in cardiac arrest in a pivotal game against the Cincinnati Bengals. And there on national TV, on Monday night football, in front of 70,000 people, the trainers of the Buffalo Bills had to bring DeMar Hamlin's heart back to beating twice. He had died on the football field. This hadn't happened in the NFL until the early 1970s, but that was pre-national TV and whatever, so it felt unprecedented. I know we're tired of that word, but truly, this was unbelievable. And as, as DeMar Hamlin's heart stopped, the game stopped. And then as the, as the announcers, and then it went to ESPN, as they, as they kind of figured out what was happening, it was this really seminal moment um, People on national TV started to pray. Like literally one of the, uh, Dan Orlovsky, one of the uh, ESPN anchors 
prayed to God on national TV for this young man, Damar Hamlin, in the prime of his life. And eventually people are like, well, what are you going to do? You can't just call a game. And the NFL actually was like, we're not going to return to that field. The game is over. And while DeMar Hamlin is recovering now, still in critical condition, but his heart is beating and he's, he's moving towards recovery. But as we continue to pray for him, as we back away from his specific situation, um, the point that I wanted to start with DeMar Hamlin, who literally, when his heart stopped, that football game on national TV, millions of people watching, the game stopped. In the book of Ezekiel, there is a warning and an invitation for us, the people of God. And you might be here this morning like, I'm not sure I'm the people of God, Scott. Maybe I don't feel like it this morning as I was yelling at my kids to get out of bed or as, you know, the new year has not started with, you know, the, the joy that I was anticipating. And gosh, let's be honest about the weather in Seattle, you know. But we are God's people. We are, every one of you in this room, you were made by a God who loves you made in order to be filled with God's spirit, with God's breath, with God's heart impacting our heart. This is the experience of faith. This is the 18-inch journey from thinking about God to living out from a heart space that's experiencing God. And over these three weeks, we started last week. If you weren't there, no problems at all. Today, I'm going to talk about an internal transformation that Ezekiel calls new heart living. And then next week, we'll talk about the impacts in our relationships and our work and being people of blessing in the world once we've experienced these new heart moments. We start with a God-informed vision. All transformation has to happen from the inside out. Today, I'm talking about internal transformation. Next week, we'll talk about mission. And the point of it is to talk about breakthrough in your life. That every one of you would experience breakthrough in this season. Breakthrough in your relationships. Breakthrough in your faith with Jesus. Breakthrough in your hope. Breakthrough in something that feels like it's out of touch from God's blessing. This morning, God wants you to have a breakthrough in your spirit as he impacts your heart. As he challenges us all to be new-hearted people living out from a place of internal transformation as the breath of God impacts our own hearts. And for so many of us, we've experienced this dry bones life over the last couple of years or the last, last couple of season in our relationships, in our vocation, in our faith. It's brought anxiety and difficulty. It has not been easy. But the hope in the scriptures is God brings new life to dry places. He can bring dry bones to life. And so the invitation for us all is God wants to bring us back to life this morning. He wants us to be filled with his spirit and give us new hearts. So let's begin here. The first point in your outline, if you're watching online, the first point I'm going to be talking about is that God brings a promise to Ezekiel in the midst of pain. The promise in the book of Ezekiel is, is, it comes in a context of pain. And I know it's hard. It's like, well, I've been reading Ezekiel, Scott. It's really long. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to boil down like 30 chapters into a sermon point here. That Ezekiel is in the context of a lot of personal pain. And isn't it so that God often encounters us in the midst of our difficulties, in the midst of our challenges, maybe even in the midst of, of our despair, in the book of Ezekiel, Ezekiel is writing a vision he gets from God on his 30th birthday. 
He would have been a priest in Jerusalem, but he has a vision from God. He's sitting by a river in captivity in Babylon. Babylon was at war with Israel, decimated them. And so Ezekiel has been marched off to captivity, and it's his birthday. But for those in captivity, they weren't with their, there was people left in Jerusalem that that didn't get taken to captivity. So as Ezekiel is writing there in captivity, he's a slave in Babylon. And he feels like God has forgotten him. And, And so for the people in captivity, they're both enslaved and they feel forgotten. And they could not understand how the, how the breath of God or, or the goodness of God could ever find them in captivity. They felt lost. And so Ezekiel's in this bad place with this broken heart in a place he never thought he'd be. And he feels like God has broken his promises. He's in the midst of the driest, worst time of his life. And then God's glory reveals himself to Ezekiel. And it's the shock. Like, God, what are you doing here? What are you doing here in captivity? And I have to take a breath because I'm like, I'm so fired up. It's like, it's, it's too much, Scott. Just, we like it when you're not yelling at us. So I'm just going to take a deep breath. I'm super excited because I feel like this is so hopeful for us. Like that this man gets this word from God that I'm going to read in just a moment. In the midst of Babylon, on his birthday when he feels forgotten, sometimes birthdays get lonelier the older we get. I don't know if it's just me. It's like, woe is me. I have, sometimes I get like kind of, I can feel sorry for myself on my birthday. And God goes and finds him. And he gives him a vision. God finds him, gives him a promise in the midst of his pain. So Ezekiel 11 says, Therefore, God says to Ezekiel, this is what the Lord says. I will gather you and Ezekiel, all of your people. This is a word to us. The Bible's always given to people in community. I will gather you all from the nations and I will bring you back from the countries where you've been scattered. I will give you back the land of Israel again. Because remember, they're enslaved in Babylon. I'll give it back. They will return to the land and remove all its vile images and detestable idols. I will give them an undivided heart and I'll put a new spirit in them. I'll remove from them their heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. And then they will follow my decrees and they will keep my laws and they will be my people and I will be their God. This was originally spoken in the Hebrew language. And so in the Hebrew language, when Ezekiel says that I will be your God and and the, the Lord is speaking, the sovereign Lord, it's the Hebrew word Adonai Yahweh which is used in Ezekiel over 200 times, which means as the name of God, that God is both the the master and Lord of his people. He, he, He has control over their lives and he comforts them. And God says, I will gather you from the place you've been sent and I will give you the land. That's an extraordinary promise to people who are enslaved without land. And there's this, this promise that's like, if you're faithful, a gift is coming bigger than any that you can imagine. In the midst of his captivity in a foreign place, God says, I want to give you some gifts. I will give you the land. I will give you and your country people an undivided heart. There will be unity among you. Doesn't that sound beautiful? I will put a new spirit in you all. And the spirit of God is the unity that is the only force that could bring us together. And I will remove the hearts of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I want you to see the movement there. God's like, I'm going to give you this gift like for the nations and I'm going to give you land 
and I'm going to give you unity and so your relationships can be restored. And I'm going to give you purpose and I'm going to give you freedom. I'm going to give you everything. You'll be my people. I'll give you, I'll give you it all. I'll give you everything. But it's got to start from the inside out. You got to have a heart change. Before I can give you the land and give you the unity and give you the vision and give you the purpose, I want to, I want to give you your, I want to give you your heart back. And as people, like this is where we can start to hear our story starts to be mixed in. Like we, we want that kind of freedom. We want that kind of restoration. We want that kind of deliverance from, from broken relationships or anxious thoughts. We, we want and need that kind of hope. And it all comes when God renews and blesses our hearts. Our hearts is what Ezekiel says. I'll give you a new heart. The Hebrew word for heart is this word lev. It's used all over the Hebrew scriptures. But in the Hebrew word heart, lev, it wasn't just a body part. I'll give you a new heart. It's not just an organ. They had a broader understanding of the heart than we do in a modern context. They thought of the heart as the, as the center point of their emotions and well-being. Keep in mind the Shema was something that the Israeli people, the Jewish people, they would, they would say, you know, you shall love the Lord with all your heart. And they would say this as people every day. Because they knew that as our hearts go, our lives follow. And so that with the Ezekiel says, I want to give you a new heart. It's like, I want to renew you. I want to bring you to life in your inner parts. I want, to, I want to renew your mind and your will and your emotions. And it all comes from this place of letting me renew your hearts. For the Hebrew people, that all of their being and identity flowed out of this heart space. And the Bible mentions the heart almost a thousand times. It's so central to all the scriptures. And the essence is simply this, that God wants us to move to people experiencing relationship all through the beating of our hearts. The Bible is clear. Guard your heart. Proverbs 4, above all else, guard your heart. It's the wellspring of life. Jeremiah warned about this. He said they, that the heart was evil, that left to our own devices, we get turned into our selfish or individualistic ways. So we need a renewal of our hearts. Keep in mind, David, after he committed adultery, he says, Lord, create in me, remember Psalm 51? Create in me a clean heart. Though he had sinned, he needed new identity, new relationships at all, for David flowed out of the heart. And the Hebrew word that then comes, I'll give you a new heart and I'll renew your spirit, is this Hebrew word ruah, which means breath, spirit, wind. It's when we were formed, we were made from dust and clay and God gave us his, his spirit, his breath, his ruah. And so the renewal of our hearts happens when we receive the spirit of God. But for so many of us, a lot of our pain and, and, and fear as we're seeking a breakthrough happens as we're struggling to get our hearts back and we're looking for outside voices to give us reassurance. But God knows all transformation happens from the inside out. I love American history. One of my favorite pieces from American history, I'll use to talk about this inside-out transformation, um, is the story of Meriwether Lewis, uh, Lewis and William Clark, the Lewis and Clark Expedition, a 4,000-mile journey from St. Louis to the Pacific. 
And in Meriwether Lewis's journal, dated 18th of August, 1805, from Camp Fortunate, he, he writes about feeling like a failure in the midst of this great journey. So many of us are like, man, if I was in the midst of a great journey, I would not feel like a failure. But oftentimes, though Ezekiel finds out, the promise comes in the midst of pain. Lewis, in his journal, feels pain and anxiety and depression. But instead of turning to God, he tries to turn it to his own efforts. And so in August of 1805, Lewis is writing in his journal near present-day Dillon, Montana. Meriwether Lewis suffered from severe depression. And in his journal, at the time, he's further west than any commissioned American had ever been before. He had successfully, along with William Clark, led this group thousands of miles. And Lewis, on the eight, you know, in August of 1805, he's only 320 miles from the Columbia River, which would be the current town of Pasco, at the confluence of the Snake and Columbia. He's less than 58 days from hitting the Columbia, and then they're going to be like, they found it. They found the West Coast. He's 58 days and 320 miles from a breakthrough, but he can't see it. He can't see that the breakthrough is just beyond the pain that he's experiencing. And so he writes in his journal in August 1805, Lewis does, this day I completed my 30-year birthday. Same as Ezekiel. Isn't that bizarre? But unlike Ezekiel looking to God and having an experience with the Holy Spirit, Lewis turns in on his despair and his own efforts. He says, I completed my 31st year and conceived that I had in all human probability now exist about half the period which I'm to remain in this world. I reflected that I had done but little, little indeed, to further the happiness of the human race or to advance the information of the succeeding generation. I viewed with regret the many hours I've spent in indolence, and now I feel the want of that information of those hours would have given me had they been judiciously expended. But since they're past and I cannot, I dash from me the gloomy thoughts and resolved in future to redouble my efforts and at least endeavor to promote the objects of human existence and to live for humankind where I've heretofore lived for myself. He, on his 30th birthday, is further west than any commission American had ever been. He's 320 miles from the Columbia. He's 58 days from a breakthrough. And he can't see it. And he was really sick. Lewis would end up taking his life after the journey three years after. And it's such a contrast to me, these two men that are experiencing great pain. One redoubles the human effort. And Lewis finished the journey, but he never was freed from his despair. The other had an encounter with the Holy Spirit and the renewal of his heart. And the way in which Ezekiel becomes a guide for those of us when we're in the midst of pain, that it's an experience with God changing us from the inside out, hungry for that kind of breakthrough. It's not us trying more. It's us submitting more. To believe that God can take the brokenness, the challenges, the loneliness, the whatever seasons we're in, and not give up because God's spirit wants to work. We're so often close to a breakthrough and God is encouraging us, don't give up, don't give in. Keep the faith. The promise comes in the midst of pain. The second thing I wanna say is this, God gives new hearts to overflow with his spirit. 
This is the major point of Ezekiel. Later in the book, in Ezekiel 36 and 37, God gives a new-hearted experience to overflow, not with our efforts, but his spirit in us. From Ezekiel 36, I read, God continues, I will take you out of the nations. I'll gather you from all the countries. I'll bring you back into your own land. Again, it's a very similar promise to Ezekiel 11. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you'll be clean. And I'll cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols, and I'll give you a new heart, and I'll put a new spirit in you, and I'll remove from you your heart of stone, and I will give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit in you, and I will move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. And then you will live in the land I gave your ancestors, and you'll be my people, and I will be your God. Same, very similar promise to Ezekiel 11. Before the land, before the unity, before the restoration, before the breakthrough, God wants to work in us from the inside out to renew us as his creatures that he loves. He wants to take from us those hearts of stone that try to live by our own power, that are trapped by our own finite knowledge and resources and efforts, and he wants to give us a heart of flesh, one that feels and enjoys the presence of God. One that can understand that our deeper purpose in life is to love God and love others. That though we get mired in the mediocrity of the day-to-day commitments, God says, I'm calling you deeper and I'm calling you higher. And God has promised anyone who calls on a deeper relationship with him that we have the full gift of the Holy Spirit. Romans 8 talks about that. Jesus talks about being born again and that rivers of living water would flow from within us. This is new heart living. It's what Jesus was calling people to. He would would heal people in their physical bodies, but he wanted to restore their spirits. He wanted to come to this earth as God incarnate to take people trying really hard by their own efforts and fill them with his spirit to free them, to, to give them a new heart, to give them new hope. Let me ask you, friends, how is your heart this morning? As you sit here, as you watch online, what are you worried about? What do you think about in the middle of the night when you can't sleep? What are you stressed about? What's a relationship that you feel cut off from? What's a worry at school, at work, in retirement that you just can't seem to shake? This message is for us. Because God, I'm deeply convinced, wants us, the people of Bethany North, to have new hearts, to experience his spirit and his breath within. And it's no amount of us trying to do good things that will give us this new heart experience. It's simply being hungry for God to encounter us and to change us. Normally, all six of the Bethany locations, we're all teaching the same thing, and we study together, and it's beautiful. January 22nd, we'll start a series called Love God, Love Others on First John. Never done First John before. It's great. But these three weeks, each of our six locations is just speaking real personal. And each of the Bethany locations is just doing something different. So breakthrough is for you, and it's for me, and it's for now. Because... Because God is calling us, friends, to have a new and renewed sense of his spirit within us. We need new hearts. We need a touch of the Holy Spirit. 
a couple of years ago, I had some men pray for me, and I was coming back from in Malibu. Some of you were men's Malibu, the men's camp up there. A bunch of us had been there, and I was a speaker. I talked about, talked about um, becoming a man after God's own heart. I had a lot to say about that. I literally spoke about that. Just hit me right now. That was the bulk of my content, uh, how to be a man after God's own heart. And I spoke about fatherhood. had a lot to say. Because it's easy to be an expert when you're teaching other people how to live. <laughs> right? The real work starts when you walk off the stage and walk into your actual life. And so it was on the boat back. We're on the boat back, and it's a bit celebratory. The work is done. We've had an incredible time. God's encountered all these people. I feel kind of like a rock star, like a sea-level Christian rock star, which meant nothing, but I was a big deal on that boat, you know, just like nailing it, nailing the spiritual life. And then these men said, hey, we want to pray for you because God's got a word for you. I'm like, great. Like, a word? Like, bring it, because it's like more and bigger, right? Better? No, as they started to pray for me, they said, God gave us a picture of your heart. And there's, there's a place in your heart that you haven't let God own. And it's dying. Because any part of our heart not fully surrendered to God, trying to live by our own power, it's cut off from the real force of life in this universe. And they said, Scott, God sees your heart, and it's good, but there's a piece that's dying, and he wants it all. He wants the whole thing. And that began a journey for me of really trying to submit my whole heart to God. Now the warning here is I was already a pastor. I was already with you all doing good stuff, trying. Like I couldn't see this piece of me that was dying. It wasn't hidden sin. It was a part of, of my own family of origin stuff that I was scared to trust God with. The journey continues because I can teach faith a lot easier than I can live it. So we're in this together. God wants to bring us all back to life. God wants to take the corners of our heart that have started to die because we've held pieces back. And he said, I want it all. I want it all. I see you and I love you. And I don't know what you're struggling with this morning, but God does. And he says, I want, a, I want it all. And that's where we're going to end this morning. This third point in our outline is that Jesus, he gives us his spirit to bring us back to life. As we bridge Ezekiel to being New Testament Christians, I'm going to talk about Ezekiel 37 moment, but it's all about Jesus. Because we get something that Ezekiel didn't even understand yet. We get Jesus incarnate. We get the breath of God that Jesus, when he vacated earth to go to heaven, he breathed on his people. He wanted them to have, not his hands to heal people, he wanted them to have his breath and new hearts. So for Ezekiel, he's gotten this promise of God, like, I'm going to give you a new heart, I'm going to give you a new heart. And then this brilliant thing happens in Ezekiel 37. And so the hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me, Ezekiel, out by the Spirit of the Lord, and he set me in the middle of a valley, and it was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, the bones that were dry, and he asked me, son of man, Ezekiel, can these bones live? And I said, Lord, you alone know. And then he said, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. 
This is what the Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you'll come to life and I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I'll put breath in you, ruah, and you will come to life and then you'll know that I'm the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded and as I was prophesying, which just means speaking the words of God and praying in the spirit, there was a noise, a rattling sound and the bones came together and you can almost imagine it, can't you? Bone to bone. And I looked and tendons and flesh appeared on them and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. And then he said the most important thing, prophesy, man, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the Lord says, come, breath from the four winds and breathe into these slain that they may live. And so I prophesied and I commanded me and the breath entered them and they came to life and they stood up a vast army. It's the most beautiful, one of the most beautiful pictures from scripture. The bones had no life. The bones had no breath. They needed God's breath in them. And I was reading this book on the Holy Spirit by Max Lucado recently, and Lucado says this, apart from the Spirit, we may have bones, flesh, scalps, teeth, but we have no life. He and he alone is the giver of life. Lest we miss the message, God delivers the punchline, I will put my spirit in you and you shall live. And I'll place on you in your own land and you'll know I'm the Lord. And then he continues, it's not God's will that you lead a lifeless life. He will breathe on dry bones. Dry marriage, he can enliven in it. Dead in career, the spirit can breathe on it. Scattered remnants of yesterday's dreams, the spirit of God can reassemble and rekindle them. It has everything to do with your willingness to invite the spirit into the dry and dead patches of your world. The spirit wants to fill us, friends. He wants to bring dry bones to life. The Hebrew word again for spirit is, is ruah. And in the Greek, it's, it's this other word, pneuma, that means new force, new life. The new heart promise takes place when the spirit comes. When the spirit comes and fills dry bones to life. And that's what Jesus did. That Jesus, on the day of his resurrection, he, he, he comes into the places of fear and brokenness and gathers his disciples and then he gives them his breath, his pneuma, his new life, his new heart living, his new spirit. I've never seen it before, the way in which in the scriptures it's Mary who discovers the empty tomb in, in the gospel of Mark and she comes back and it's dawn on Sunday. It's why we worship Jesus on Sunday, Easter morning. But then when Jesus comes into the room and breathes on his disciples, it's evening. It's evening. They've wasted all day in a closed room in places of fear. All day long. The scripture says on the evening of that first day of the week, in the morning, Mary sees the empty tomb. It's Easter. Jesus is alive. They don't need to be scared anymore. Oh, they don't understand. God's doing a new thing. But on the evening of that same day, while the disciples were together, the doors were locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, and Jesus came and stood among them. Like, what were they doing all day? The same thing I do all day. The same thing I know. Like, you don't need to be scared anymore. 
You need to live by the new heart. You need to live out from those values. You need to be, have confidence. But it's like we waste all day in closed rooms saying, but how? And so Jesus comes. Jesus says, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. And with that, he, he breathed on them. It's so beautiful and weird and lovely. In Genesis, we were created to have God's breath in our lungs. And when Jesus spent his last days, the last thing he wanted his men and women who followed him to have is not more ideas, it's more breath. To bring their hearts to life. To put their places of fear to rest. To believe that he was more powerful than any situations they faced. We have this gift. We have this friend. We have these dry bones. We have this opportunity to turn to God and say, give me a new touch of your spirit. Bring something that's dead. Bring it to life. All we need to do, friends, is say, I'm thirsty. I'm hungry. I'm, I'm tired. I'm, I'm exhausted. I'm done. I'm worn out with Christianity and your church and playing religion. I need, I need your breath, God. I need something new. And that's you. I just want to say you're welcome here. We're so glad you're here. We have a worship night next Friday night down at the Green Lake location. We'd love to enjoy, uh, love to invite you to. I hope to be there. I've been to everyone so far. They're amazing. They're late. There's kids there. There's, you can get a babysitter. Those of you that are parents, just come and worship with us. Um, we're going to be continuing to teach Ezekiel next week. We have groups launching. Like, we just want to love you. We want to be in relationship with you so that together we'd be experiencing the goodness of God. If you're thirsty, come and drink. I'll close with an illustration. I told some last week, but some of you weren't there. My family watched the trilogy of the, Lord of, uh, the um, Chronicles of Narnia movies over Christmas. And my youngest, who's 10, has gotten really interested in the story. So we've picked up where the movies left off. We've picked up in C.S. Lewis's The Silver Chair in the uh, adventures of the Chronicles of Narnia. And in The Silver Chair, Lewis introduces us to this new character, Jill Poole, who joins her annoying cousin, uh, Eustace Scrub, of the cousin of the Pavinci children in a new adventure in Narnia. And I want to read to you this just short selection from the silver chair because as I read it to my son this week and I thought about this moment, I felt like God was saying, this is a story for us all. You don't need to be perfect. You don't need to try harder. You don't need to set goals. You need to just be ready to receive more of God's spirit. You just need to be thirsty. So from the silver chair, this character Jill, she's talking about Narnia. The birds had ceased singing and there was a perfect silence except for one small persistent sound which seemed to come from a good distance away. Jill listened carefully. She was sure it was the sound of running water. And she's so thirsty she thinks she's going to die. Jill got up. She looked around her very carefully and there was no sign of the lion Aslan because she was really scared of him. But there were so many trees about it, it might easily be quite close without her seeing it. Her thirst was very bad now. 
she plucked up her courage to go and look for that running water. The wood was so still, it was not difficult to decide where the sound was coming from. It grew clearer every moment and sooner than she expected, and she came to an open glade and saw the stream, bright as glass, running across the turf, a stone's throw away from her. But although the sight of water made her feel ten times thirstier than before, she didn't rush forward to drink. She stood as still as if she had been turned to stone, and with her mouth wide open, she had very good reason, because just on this side of the stream lay the lion. How long this lasted, she cannot be sure. It seemed like hours, and the thirst became so bad, she almost felt like she would not mind being eaten by the lion, if only she could be sure of getting a mouthful of water. And then he said these words, the lion did, who's the godlike figure in Narnia. If you're thirsty, you may drink. For a second she stared here and there, wondering who had spoken, and then the voice said, if you're thirsty, come and drink. It was deeper, wilder, and stronger, a sort of heavy, golden voice. Are you thirsty, said the lion. I'm dying of thirst, said Jill. Then drink, said the lion. And though she was afraid, she drank, and her thirst was quenched, and she began to trust the lion with her life. I'm going to call the band up, and we're going to have a time of participation. What feels dry in your life? What feels cut off or just lonely or difficult? Some of you are so thirsty, and you so long for God to touch your heart again. You don't need to try harder, friends. You need, we need together a new experience with the Holy Spirit. So let me pray for that and I'll introduce our, our response time. Jesus, thank you so much for this morning. We thank you for your promises of your scripture. We thank you that you delight to quench our thirst. That you delight to bring dry bones to life. God, that you delight to take hearts of despair and anxiety and frustration and bring your peace. God, we all want land under our feet and big goals achieved this year, but you're reminding us this morning, you're beckoning us, God, that the change happens from the inside out. You're calling us to breakthrough. You're calling us to be people not just thinking about you, but experiencing you. So spirit blow. The, the Ruah, God, of your presence, would you move through this space? Would you move through our lives? We want to have new and deeper experiences with you in the year ahead, but it starts this morning. Lord Jesus, we love you. Thank you for loving us and giving us the eternal gift of salvation that's found in one place and one place only, your life and your spirit inside our hearts. And all God's people said, Amen. We're going to participate as a community in this New Hearts Needed message. And I warned you, you needed a note card and a pen. And so what I'm going to encourage you to do here, I'm going to actually mandate it. We're doing this together. Is as the team leads us in blessing, Michelle, our worship director, has actually written a song for you. The song called A Blessing for the Church, although I'll call it A Blessing for Bethany North. And as this blessing is saying over you, I want you to write things on your card that feel like dry bones.
that feel like that dry and dusty heart. It's a relationship that you can't shake, but you want freedom. It's a thing that you're stressed out about at work or school. It's something that keeps you up at night. Put it down something that hurts. Put it down that thing that if you were to say that dry, dusty part of your heart that you need to trust God with, put it on the piece of paper. Not your name. You're not going to share this. This isn't for anyone but you and God. You're just going to write. Put a word. Draw a picture. Put 20 words. And then our prayer team members, and I'm going to call them forward now. We'll have prayer team members down the side and down the front. You're going to do an exchange. You're going to drop your old heart in the all those words, all that, you're going to drop it in the bucket they hold and they're going to give you a small token of the breath of God and they're going to speak a blessing over you. They want to give you a new heart. Now the cynics will say, Scott, this new heart came from Amazon and it looks like a trinket for a seven-year-old making crafts, but there are no cynics this morning. <laughs> Thank you, Woody. There are just a church that wants to encounter God in new and powerful ways. So we're all going to do this together. There'll be three people down front, three up the side. So just approach whoever's closest to you. You're going to write those things that feel dry and dusty and just need God to change. Fold it. You're going to drop it in the bucket. They're going to give you a blessing and a token, an Ebenezer, a reminder that the new heart living is a call to being filled with God's spirit, not your effort his gift so we'll sing together and write and then everyone will respond together let's worship the lord